Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... everyone and welcome to the His Mighty Hand Radio podcast of Highland Terrace Baptist Church and I'm so thrilled today to have in our studio a wonderful guest who's actually my next door neighbor at the office, Joseph Bradley. Joseph serves not only as the communication coordinator of our church, which entails a lot, uh, including newsletter announcements, it includes all kinds of other announcements, videos, it also includes our um, wonderful new website, which has recently launched. Hi, Joseph. Hey. And thanks for coming in today. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. All right. And we're going to talk about that and uh, just sort of the story of Joseph's life growing up uh, over in East Texas with a wonderful family. Uh, he's one of four brothers. Um, his mother uh, was their teacher all through uh, the growing up years. It's a really incredible family. They've got quite a story to tell. And something interesting about Joseph is how he's gotten into the skill and the discipline of sword fighting. Um, it's really uh, remarkable, man, to have a sword fighter here with me today. Wow. It's pretty cool. I, I guess it's something that most people don't ever think about because, you know, most people growing up, it's like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, well, played football or did theater and other things like that. And then I'm over here like, well, I did stage combat. And people are like, what is that? And it's like, oh, well, it's it's a little different. You know, if you ever watch like Lord of the Rings or, or Star Wars, or if you ever go to a theater production and they're like doing sword fighting or something, that's usually what we do. Everything's choreographed. Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait to hear more about that here in just a few minutes. But Joseph, I wonder if you would just tell us a little bit about your background. I want to hear uh, some things about your family growing up. Uh, tell us, um, you know, where you're from and and how God uh, really used your home environment to capture your heart for a relationship with him and also for the call to ministry, which uh, has kind of come into focus here in our church. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in the deep East Texas in the Piney Woods. So coming out here, it was a little bit different because uh, everything's just kind of flat and not yeah. as many trees and all, but it's still nice. I really like it. Yeah, um, yeah I grew up uh, homeschooled uh, with three of my brothers. Uh, there's Joshua, then me, Joseph, Jonathan, and Jason. So nice. there's there's four J's. But then on my mom's side of the family, uh-huh. we still have three more cousins, Josiah, Jeremiah, and Joel. Oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> uh, and we're all mixed in ages. So yeah. when family gatherings, you can see how difficult that could be for all the aunts and uncles <laughs> trying to remember our names. I bet um, that is a trip. Oh, it was. It definitely is. Well, it still is for them. Yeah. So um, grew up in the country. Um, and like I said earlier, our mom was our teacher. We were homeschooled throughout the entire uh, the entirety of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um so we, we all got along pretty well, but you know, you know, you know, you have four boys. We're always getting into trouble, finding mischief, but we, we grew up pretty decent, I guess mom would say. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, so out in the country, you said, did you guys like 
live on a farm? Did you we have a big did. garden, grow a lot of vegetables? and We had a garden. Milk the cow every morning, all that kind of good stuff? We did that a little bit, but we're yeah. mainly we had goats. Uh, we had a bunch of goats because my older brother, had there was some, he was allergic to something in cow's milk. So we got goats. Really? And then that led to uh, dogs, which then we ended up getting Scotch Collies. And my mom actually has a Scotch Collie business, uh, breeding and selling puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting some horses, chickens, uh, cows. Uh, now we just have the cows and the dogs. We eventually yeah. got rid of the other animals because it got too much for mom and dad. Uh-huh. As as more and more of us boys started, you know, moving out, going to college, right. uh, getting jobs, getting married, and all. So, um, uh, was raised in a Christian home, um, and for the longest time in my life, I thought I had accepted Jesus as my savior when I was 11, which, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you do the prayer thing. I never did that. You know, at 11, I was like, you know, I believe that Jesus is real. I believe he's, you know, the Lord of my life. Uh, but then I kind of got into that, you know, how like a lot of Christians will do nowadays, especially younger Christians, they kind of get comfortable in their Christianity and they kind of start to backslide. And it kind of just became a thing of, for me, it was, yes, I went to church every week. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I read my Bible. Um, but I didn't take it like it wasn't a priority in my life until I was 19, uh, getting ready to go to college at East Texas Baptist University, uh, where I eventually graduated and got my degree. Um, that's when I kind of realized that, you know, I probably need to make this a priority in my life because it's just kind of gone on the backside. Uh I had started going through just like an awful part of my life where I don't want to say that I dealt with depression, but I was just like, mm. just life was really heavy for me during that mm. period of life. Yeah. So that's when I really kind of looked at Christianity and was like, am I going to take this for real or just kind of keep it on the back burner? Wow. Um, so that's kind of when I really took that step of like, all right, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, you know, not just something that I tell people I'm a Christian. So, mm-hmm. And it hasn't been perfect since then. You know, it still kind of comes and goes and all, but um, more like the past couple of years, I've really seen how the Lord has really worked in my life, uh, just kind of helping me through uh, difficult times in my life and all, and just, you know, turning to him and all for, you know, and everything for guidance, you know, and for his will to be done in my life. So, so that's a whole new level for you spiritually than yeah. just having a, a nominal religion, uh, your, your relationship with Jesus has really taken off. Yes. Uh, in yeah. the, especially the past couple of years. Uh, yeah. So even, even more so. Yeah. So I guess about the past six years, cause mm-hmm. a lot of people will be like, well, when they get down to the core of it, when people ask you why you really believe, you know, what you believe, a lot of people, when they get down to it, it's like, well, that's kind of how I was raised or that's what my parents taught. And yeah. my mom and dad, yes, they, they taught us growing up and all. And, you know, who Jesus was, you know, what he'd done for me. You know, we did, we did all that stuff in the homeschooling, you know, also in the church. Um, but there comes a point in a person's life where you have to actually look at it and be like, am I just doing this because it's what my family did? Or am I Uh doing this because this is what I believe? Yeah. Is it shallow? Is it sort of a perfunctory expectation that people have of me because I'm in a Christian family? Or is Mm -hmm. this something I've taken ownership? Is this something I feel? Is this something I'm invested in emotionally and spiritually? I was talking to my daughter the other day about how Christianity really doesn't work well without love. Yeah. Because the highest law, according to Jesus, was to love God. Mm -hmm. Not just to believe in him, not just to accept him, not just to acknowledge him. It's, It's a totally different thing when you love God and you don't want to 
distance yourself from him. You want to stay close to him. You don't want anything to disrupt that uh, wonderful close friendship, fellowship, um, uh, trembling um, relation that you have with the Lord uh, because he's such an awesome God, but we can't really know him uh, well without love. I really appreciate you sharing that, uh, Joseph, because that's really at the heart of what his mighty hand is about. Uh, we want people to be able to experience the hand of God upon their lives, and and uh, you can't really do that from a distance. Yeah. Well, Joseph, um, you have really made an impact on our church. Thank you. Thank you, because your um, your work here is from the heart, and it's very well organized, and it's very um, obvious that you have a servant heart. You're you're always jumping in and desiring to. Um, to help out with a variety of things. When you approach communications in a church, um, do you find that communications is really important to the life of the church to have good communications? I would say it's probably um, next to, you know, the message, which is, you know, the message salvation and, and Jesus Christ and all. Uh, communication is probably one of the top priorities that a lot of churches uh, need to address and and in which a lot of churches don't actually spend a whole lot of time doing, mm-hmm. um, which actually growing up when I, when I was communicating, I used to be really bad at it. <laughs> I would <laughs> even just talking on the phone to my parents, I used to hyperventilate. That's how bad I was at communicating wow. and just socially, uh-huh. um, not because I was homeschooled. It was just because uh-huh. of my personality uh-huh. uh, It's just, I was bad at it. Uh, but as I got older, I, you know, I learned how to communicate. Um, but with churches, yeah, um, communication is key, especially in today's world, since everything has gone basically technologically wise. We have advanced so much since yep. like the eighties, the nineties, early two thousands mm-hmm. that, um, communicating to the public is very important and, and very vital to, for people that are not part of the church or who yeah. are interested in your church to learn about Highland Terrace. What is Highland Terrace about? Who are the staff? What are the people like? What kind of things that they might be able to offer? Um, a, you know, a person, whether they're a senior adult or if they're a young family who are just, just married or, or even just a single adult. Um, so it's, it's very key today, you know, trying to keep everything updated, you know, whether it's social media or a website or if it's just a sign out on the front or even, you know, hanging waivers on doors, just, you know, or walking around, um, uh, a neighborhood passing out flyers or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very important. You know, we saw that this week as we had our drive-through VBS. It was a success every day, but today we had students on the streets waving signs. Yeah, which is communications, isn't it? It is. And we uh, we found because of that that a bunch of new people came and registered their kids today. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know exactly how many, but it was a lot. Uh, one guy, I was walking over to take a picture of uh, the students on both sides of the parking lot. And as I was walking the furthest uh, distance to one of the stations where we had um, uh, signs being waved at at people in their cars going by, this one guy drove up in a truck across our parking lot and said, what's going on here? What do y'all got going today? Communications. Yeah. And I told him. I told him all about it. And he drove right over and picked up. uh, uh, You know, packets for all of his kids. That's great. Enrolled them in our uh, VBS and uh, kind of put us over the the goal of what we were trying to reach 
this week just because he knew about it. That's awesome. So it, it's hard to be excited about what you don't know about. And so communications, as you say, is a uh, is a vital role. And we so appreciate, Joseph, the work that you do. I know you're also very musical. You play the piano and got a beautiful singing voice. Thank you. Has um, has music always been kind of a passion for you? It has. Uh, there are videos of uh, me and my older brother, Joshua. We were the ones that were inclined more to music, m- more yeah. so than my, my two younger brothers. And uh-huh. we've got videos of us as little three- and four-year-olds standing on <laughs> stools while mom and yeah. dad are playing uh, classical music yeah. off of their radio. And Joshua and I are up there conducting with the music. Of course, we're totally offbeat. So music has been um, a key point in my life. My minor is actually in music with more towards vocal performance. Sweet. Um, But, yes, I've I've played the piano since I was six, uh, play a little bit of guitar. Um, I've got a ukulele that I haven't really learned how to play yet. All right. Um, But I'm more on singing. But, yeah, uh, music is definitely something that um, I turn to, you know, either – Basically, for any aspect of life, whether you know, like, um, you know, I'm in a high point in life or a low point in life, you know, music's just always been there. Yeah. I got a video yesterday of my little grandson, two years old, running around the house with his hands up in the air saying, Praise the Lord! <laughs> Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! That's golden right there. <laughs> I tell you, as a pastor, that's kind of what you like to see. Yeah. Uh, it was a beautiful thing. Well, when we come back next time, uh, if I could have you back for a second oh, uh, yeah. edition. Yeah. I'd like to hear more about this sword fighting. Oh, yeah. So glad to have you today. Joseph Bradley, our communications coordinator at Highland Terrace Baptist Church. And you're listening to the His Mighty Hand podcast. And now here's the host of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. We had a man in our church in Denison named Jerry Jones. And I always called him the real Jerry Jones. He was about as different as you can be from Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. But I liked our Jerry Jones, honestly, a whole lot better because he was a man who loved and lived for Jesus. And I'm not trying to cast aspersions on that other Jerry Jones. I'm just saying I called my Jerry the real Jerry Jones. You know, I'm the real Chet Haney, but my predecessor was named Bobby Atkins. He was the pastor of this church. And if you just transposed our two names, you could get Bobby Haney. Now, Bobby Haney is the name of my first cousin. He's a dentist in Waxahachie. How about that? Cousin Bobby Haney. And you could also get, guess what? Chet Atkins. How about that? So I guess I am the real Chet after all. Now, listen, I want to show you something today that... uh pops out from the scripture about the real you. The you you want to be known as and remembered as. I'm going to ask you today to take the word that and fill in a blank after the word that where you insert your name. I'll say that Chet, of course, and I want you to say that insert your name. Because it's going to be very important, and you're going to see why in just a few moments. We begin chapter 11 of John this morning, an incredible chapter that tells the whole story about Lazarus in Bethany. And it begins in understated tones as John the Apostle writes about a special place and a special person 
and a terrible sickness. Now the Bible says here in simple words, verse 1 of John chapter 11. I hope you'll follow along in your Bible if you have one. Maybe you can look on with your neighbor if you don't. But everybody just listen carefully as I read this passage. And we're going to go all the way down the entire passage through verse 10. So let's read together. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Now I want you to pray with me. Lord, I pray and and I sense in my spirit that there is a message here for everyone today. And so I pray, Lord, like a surgeon, that you will use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, like a scalpel to open up our hearts and to expose the disease that sin causes, and to extract it, to get it out of our system, Lord, to heal us and to touch us and make us whole again through the power of the Word of God. Lord, we respect the power of this holy book. We listen to it. We love it. We desire it. We humble ourselves before it with reverence. We believe it. And we understand and expect today that your word, which is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, can get right to the heart of the matter with each one of us. And I pray that you will in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, would you notice that it's possible, first of all, To be someone who is special to Jesus. Now we know Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. 
red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We know Jesus loves everyone in this room, everyone at home today, everyone in the world today. He loves the believer and the unbeliever. He loves those who live in America and those who live on continents on the other side of the world. Jesus loves everyone, but that doesn't exclude the possibility that there are certain people whom Jesus loves in a special way. I want you to see something today. It's a radical uh, realization, if you let it be, that it is possible for you to become someone who is, listen, special to Jesus. Wouldn't that be something? To be a, a special friend of the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who uh, held a special place in his heart. I don't think the Lord is guilty of favoritism, not one bit. But I will tell you this, it is possible, and not only possible, it's the most important thing in your life to become someone who is special to Jesus. Someone who's important to him. Someone he deeply cares about. Someone he loves. I want you to be that person. I want to encourage you today to set as your goal today to be that fill in your name person. That person who is so special to Jesus that he cares deeply about you. Uh, Maybe even more than the average Christian. Isn't that something to think about? Now we got to be careful here because we don't want to be prideful about it. We don't want to set ourselves in a special place and puff our chest and be proud. But I want to tell you something, folks. There's an opportunity for you here today, if you choose to accept it, to take your life to a whole other level, which is defined by a special relationship that you can have with Jesus that not the average person has. Not even the average Christian has this special relationship with Jesus. There's a lot of people who say they believe in God. Even the demons believe in God and tremble. But not everybody has that fill-in-your-name relationship with Jesus. Now, I want you to notice about this guy who was sick here. It says, a certain man was sick. And we're emphasizing now... Focusing in on someone who was special to Jesus. His name was Lazarus of Bethany. And it goes on to say, this is the Lazarus uh, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it says it was that Mary who anointed the, uh, the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet. And lest anybody listening to me think I'm making something up here or pressing a point too hard, I just want you to look at verse 5. The Bible says of Jesus and Mary and Martha, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. These were close friends of Jesus. These were people that he spent time with, people that he hung out with, people he had shared many meals at their house, people that he stopped by to see from time to time. They may have been friends, as far as I know, growing up as teenagers. They may have known each other for a long time and had a very special relationship. And I'll tell you something, you can have a special relationship with Jesus too. 
if you want to. If you want to hang out with Him and spend time with Him and laugh with Him and share joy with Him and share your life with Him, you can even share a meal with Jesus. Why else would it say in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into Him and I will dine with Him and He with me. You don't invite just anybody over to your house for dinner. Somebody who comes over to your house for dinner is someone who is special in your life. And you can have a special relationship with Jesus if you want to. In fact, you already do have about as much Jesus as you want to have in your life. And if you want to have more, tell him so today. Say, Lord Jesus, I want more of you. I want more of your attention and more of your affection and more of your love and more of your influence in my life. And I want more of your power in my life, Lord Jesus. And so I'm praying, Lord, let me be someone who is special to you. It was that Martha, excuse me, that Mary, the Bible says, who anointed Jesus. Look at verse 2. With oil. This is a reference, by the way, to Matthew 26, 7. You ought to go over there and read that sometime because it's an interesting passage of Scripture. The Bible says they were at Bethany, not at Lazarus' house, but they were at the house of a guy named Simon the leper. At a special dinner that was thrown in Jesus' honor. And this girl named Mary came in and the Bible says she had an alabaster jar. And that alabaster is actually a flask. That flask was filled with fine, expensive pers- perfume, pure spikenard, very costly. And she took that whole alabaster flask and she emptied it out. She may have broken it and poured it out on the feet of Jesus. And the fragrance of that perfume filled the whole house. And everybody said, what a waste. That perfume could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. And Jesus said, don't you criticize her. She has done something special for me. And all over the world from now on, this will be remembered as a memorial to Mary. That she was that Mary. That Mary. Wow. Do you know why she was remembered as that Mary? Because of a smell. That's why. There's a fragrance. I noticed when we gathered around to pray just before we started this service today. All of us who are here putting this service on, we gathered right over there in a prayer circle. And I could smell somebody's perfume. I don't know whose it was. But it smelled real pretty. And uh, if uh, if I found out who that person's perfume was, I may find out yet. I may start associating that person with that beautiful smell. I don't know. That's exactly why they remembered Mary. Because of the smell, the aroma, the fragrance of that beautiful perfume, you could probably smell it down the street because she poured out the whole bottle. Can you imagine taking a whole bottle of Chanel Number no. 5 and dumping it out on somebody? You'd probably be smelling it for weeks. She poured it out. And... Her memory as that Mary was associated with that aroma. Did you know in 2 Corinthians? In fact, let's just turn there, can we, for a moment? To the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. I want to show you something about aroma. The Bible says if you want to be special to Jesus, and if you want to be that, fill in the blank with your name, person, 
then here's how it works. It's an aroma. The Bible says, thanks be to God who leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Look at verse 15a. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. There is something about the aroma and the essence and the fragrance of a sold out believer who is special to Jesus that people remember for a long time to come. And I'll tell you one thing for sure. I want to be that Chet Haney. I want to be that Chet Haney who people remember as a sold out, crazy in love with Jesus, radically obedient disciple, an alabaster jar from Alabama who was poured out because he loved Jesus so much. I want to be that Chet Haney. I want to be the guy that you remember that the older he gets, the bolder he gets for the Lord. And I, as a matter of fact, I want to be the guy, you don't just say amen to what you hear him say. I want you to say wow because of what you see going on in his life and the fragrance that you smell. I want to be that Chet Haney that people sometimes say, I remember remember him he listened to the lord he poured himself out in loving obedience for the lord and he put it all out there for the lord and therefore we can still smell him down the street that yet now let me just tell you how you could uh, experience that if you want to start in maybe a, a more subtle way here's a way you could do it It's in giving. Now, you know, we teach giving here at this church. We teach tithing because tithing is a way for us to show God our love for him. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 